Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora from inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. You can find Cafe Kubal on 3501 James Street, 324 West Water Street, and 401 South Salina Street in Syracuse. You can also find them at 343 Fayette Street in Manlius, New York, and inside of their fantastic drive-thru that you will find at the corner of Route 11 and Taft Road at Sweetheart Corners in North Syracuse. With that being said, we are here today to continue our Commissioner Central series, taking a look at the world of collegiate athletics as we are today and as we step forward. And this coming from the commissioners and executive directors from around the country, I feel very honored and privileged for the opportunity now to speak with Big Sky Commissioner Tom Wistersell, who is joining our broadcast in this Commissioner Central series to give his thoughts on his conference, as well as what's going on in college athletics in general, including NIL, the transfer portal, the transformation committee, as well as what the NCAA is going to look like as we move forward. So with that being said, joining us from the great state of Utah, Mr. Wistersell, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And, and let's start there. You know, your headquarters for the Big Sky Conference is in Utah. For those who have not been to the state of Utah, how would you describe calling Utah home for the Big Sky Conference? Well, it's a perfect home for us. Um, you know, first of all, it's a beautiful place to live. Sun shines 300 plus days a year. So, um, you know, I, uh, being a Midwest native, um, I don't miss the weather back there. So I feel pretty fortunate to live in Utah. Uh, it's a great place for the big sky. It's right in the center of our league. Uh, we have eight, we have schools in eight states out west here. So, uh, from Colorado to California, from, uh, Washington down to Arizona. So, to be here in the Salt Lake area, access to the airport, uh, and uh, can quickly get to our schools. It's a really good home for us. You know, and, 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 and having that, you know, calling Utah home, what do you like the most? I know you talked about 300-plus days of sunshine, so shout out to that because I've been in places where there was like six days of sunshine a year. But <laughs> uh, yes. what are your favorite parts of Utah for yourself personally? What are the pieces of Utah that you just – can't get enough of you know um you know that you still get the change of seasons so you still have four distinct seasons um but uh the weather is very mild here you know we still get snow although obviously not as much as the mountains get that are just 20 miles away but you know you still get snow but the sunshine it's the sun is such a nice thing to see on a daily basis i you know i lived for years in northeast ohio i i grew up in iowa and minnesota and wisconsin and so you know the sun just makes it so nice um, and then no, no humidity so you know uh many of those places that uh, that i mentioned have high humidity in the summer you know, the humidity here, it's a desert basically here in the Salt Lake Valley. So, you know, the humidity here is 20, 25 percent uh, on, on most days. So um, so that's the beauty of it. The access to the national parks here, uh, how easy it is to get around. I mean, from where I live on the south side of Salt Lake City, there are four ski resorts. So I could be I could leave my house and be on the slopes in 20 minutes. Um, so there's not many places you can actually live in a city and access uh, ski resorts and all the beauty and the fun that the mountains have uh, in such a close proximity. So feel very fortunate to call this place home. Yeah, you know, and, it, and it's beautiful. I've never been out to Utah, but hearing you describe it, it makes me want to uh, to go out there and, and see what life is like. I mean, obviously, in coverage of the NBA, you know, and the Utah Jazz and, and the history of that and John Stockton and Carl Malone to what it's become now, you know, there there's there's definitely, I've felt a connection in coverage, but I've never been out there. So 
my first trip out to Utah, if I was going to spend three days in Utah, where do I eat and what should I do? What are my activities in Utah if I came out there for the first time? So, you know, first of all, Utah's a big state. Yeah. Um, the states out west are really big compared to the states out east. So, you know, your three days, you know, you're going to spend, to me, you're going to spend one day in Salt Lake City, um, just enjoying the downtown area and the various neighborhoods there. Every uh, every restaurant you could think of, every type of food is there. And uh, it's, it's a really cool foodie uh, community Salt Lake is. So then secondly, you got to head up to the mountains. So head up to the Park City area, the Heber Valley. Uh, there's so much to do there. The beauty, it doesn't matter what time of year either. Come to win in the winter, you're going to go skiing in the summer. Um, it's just a beautiful mountain area to hike and uh, all kinds of activities. There's a couple of uh, reservoirs up there. You can, you can get a boat and go skiing and all these things. So that's great. And then you got to drive South to get to the, uh, to the national parks um zion arches are, are two of my favorites and uh it's just they're some of the most beautiful places on earth uh that you can imagine there's five national parks in the state of utah so uh take advantage of all of them um that 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 is a long three days right there because you got some driving uh to do um uh, but nonetheless it's it's a it's a pretty drive and uh, you'll certainly get a nice piece of america out of it Oh, I love that. I you know, I can I feel like I can smell the air right now in Utah. I feel like I can feel it. So, I am definitely uh, excited about the opportunity to come out there sometime soon and and for the teams that call the Big Sky home and and you know, obviously Utah being your headquarters. So, having that headquarters there, having your teams around you and the Big Sky being home, you joined the Big Sky Conference as its commissioner just a, a few years back in in 2018. And so when you did that and you came in right before a pandemic, so good for you on that. But I mean, I, it's it's been a very interesting few years, I, I can imagine, for you coming in 2018, 2019, and then coming to the tail end of 2019 into 2020, everything has looked different, felt different, been different. So what, how would you describe your tenure in the big sky as you made a move to be a part of that conference, be its commissioner, and within a very short time of doing that, we're faced with unprecedented circumstances that nobody could truly be completely prepared for. Yeah, you're certainly uh, certainly um, reflecting on the times there. You're right. It's been a, it's been a really interesting four years. Um, I feel very fortunate. We got really good leadership in our league. Got a great group of presidents to work with, great group of athletic directors, and very successful programs. So, you know, great foundation was here uh, in the conference, and uh, and so you know, for us, it's been about how do we maximize. Uh, the opportunities we have ahead. We've made, made a lot of changes in our media rights uh, since since I've been on here. Uh, and, uh, you know, the pandemic, you know, affected us. I mean, it affected everybody, right? I mean, there was no one that was immune to, to the challenges faced at, with the pandemic. So, you know, college sports is, is reflective of society. Um, so, you know, we were fortunate that we were able to still, um, you know, put games on, get our student athletes out doing things that sports they love and that we had to move some things around. As you might remember, we moved FCS football to the spring uh, back then. And uh, so, you know, a lot of craziness around what was going on, but nonetheless, um, you know, I, I've, I've just always remained to focus on the student athletes and I'm a big believer that if we're, if we're doing right by them, 
then, then we're going to come out okay because we're here to support their dreams and their goals, to provide great competition. And so that's kind of what we bought into here as a conference is what can we do to better our student-athlete situations. And we put on great championships and, and we want to travel them uh, you know, in a great way. We want them to have a great experience being a part of the big sky when they come to a championship event or, you know, or they're traveling to one of our schools. And so our institutions have really bought into that and have upgraded things they're doing. So um, I think we've come out of the pandemic in a pretty pretty good way. Uh, you know, there, there's always little things here and there, but nonetheless, our schools have remained focused on their values. And, and I think overall, we're in a good place. And, and in seeing all these things, and, and you made mention of, of a bunch of different happenings since you came to the Big Sky as commissioner in, in 2018, you mentioned the media rights opportunity that you have here. And, and I want to stay with that for a second and expand on that. A media rights deal with ESPN, the largest ever for an FCS conference, Division One AA, for those of the those of you playing the home game, uh, looking at what you've done, quadrupling both the league's television revenue and its national linear exposure, while maintaining regional rights for Big Sky markets to broadcast games on local television stations. Bring me into this because there's a lot said there, right? Quadrupling four times what what the uh, league was used to on television and revenue wise and its national linear exposure on linear television outside of apps and whatnot, and then having regional rights maintained for Big Sky Markets to still be able to broadcast their games on local television stations. Because, you know, I, I hail from Syracuse, New York, and in Syracuse being part of the ACC network, the, the biggest gripe that fans have in Syracuse is that people living in Syracuse cannot watch Syracuse games. And so they can't watch Syracuse University games on local television, and that's been a, a big issue. So having this this media right deal with ESPN that has quadrupled revenue, that has allowed for you to still uh, have the opportunity for local uh, television stations to air games, just all of the pieces to this this media rights deal and how important it was to not only obviously bring more money in for the conference and more exposure, but to make sure that people that are living within the communities of these schools were not going to have the games stolen away from them. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, you did talk about a lot there. And so, you know, I, I'll sum it up in a couple of different areas. One is, is that, you know, uh, people are getting accustomed to watching streamed events and so, you know, it might be something that, you know, uh, as uh, my parents who were in their 70s, you know, they were, how do I get to ESPN Plus and how do I watch that, right? So I've had to explain to them how they can access ESPN Plus and that, you know, and I think for us, it's been about getting people to embrace the streaming platform um, that allows them to watch all the events. So, because you hit it out, you hit it earlier. You said the Syracuse people can't watch the events. Okay, so that's abs- that's absolutely what I had to avoid. Our goal was everything that we competed in as a conference that that we could put on in some place. We're not well, there's not enough spots on ESPN or ESPN two or ESPNU for everyone. 
So, and the biggest conferences snap those up. So, so they take those away. So we have to find a place. Okay, how do we get our games on? How do we get our football games on? How do we get our basketball games on? I want our softball games on, volleyball, women's basketball, you name it. I want those on. So that's where ESPN Plus comes in. And, and uh, you know, they've been a great partner. Um, you know, we had a great first year with them. And, uh, and, and our fans really embraced it uh, to be able to say, I just want to watch the game. And so, and so that's what we're able to do and able to maximize our revenue. And I think they've realized that we can help them grow their product uh, with the strength of our programs and our fan bases out here in the big sky. So that's been a great partnership. So the second part of that is we also want to provide a linear option for our schools that have demand. So, you know, for example, at Montana and Montana State, huge demand there for their product. And, uh, and so we can go in, we did a deal with Scripps TV, which is a, a network, they've got a number of stations out west here, where they can cover games linear, so they might be on the CW network or the CBS station um, in, in the market there. So people have an option then, they have an option to go to ESPN Plus, where they've always gone to now, to watch the game, or some of their games will be on local linear TV. Uh, and so, so for us, it was about how do we maximize both? I, I wanted to provide both and not be exclusive in it. Um, And so that's what we've done, and that's what we're excited about. So now our fans have options, uh, but ESPN Plus is still the primary carrier. Uh, And then, oh, by the way, we're able to put a couple of football games on ESPNU or ESPN2 and uh, be the only FCS uh, conference that can do that um, so that, that we get some national TV exposure. Uh, on the linear side, um, and they do the same thing with basketball. So it's kind of striking a balance between the two, um, but we have to be in a place where our fans can access the content um, for every single game, and that was where we started with. How do we do that? And uh, and then we and I think we've been pretty successful so far. Yeah, you know, and 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 having that right, that's important to make sure that you're visible and it's not hard to find you in the world that we live in today of collegiate athletics. Speaking here with Tom Wistersill, the Big Sky Commissioner on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora from inside the Cafe Kubal Studios. Just what you can say about, you know, how how do you go into these negotiations and and find a piece of the pie? Because it's it's so difficult, right, to to get on and well, you have to sell yourself, you have to sell your conference, you have to sell what you can do, sell the schools within it, sell different pieces of, of how you do what you do. And then if you sell that and somebody says, okay, you know what, I want to buy it, I want to put you out there. Now you have to negotiate how much is it going to cost. And then from there, it's when are we going to be on? Do we have to change our schedules? Do we have to play on Thursdays? Do we have to play a lot of our games on Fridays? How do we make this work that it, that it makes sense that we can get it? So how do you step into these negotiations and sell the big sky? And then second to that, how hard is it to carve out a piece of the pie in today's America? So we're very fortunate. Uh, We've got a contract with a consulting group out of uh, New York City, uh, Collegiate Sports Management Group, CSMG, um, and uh, Michael Schreck, their president, Ray Katz, their their, uh, co-owner. The two of them worked really hard with us. Um, They're very experienced in this marketplace, uh, experienced working with mid-major conferences like us. And uh, and so we had a great partner 
uh, to, to help this. So that I, I don't want to discount the fact that, that they were a huge part of this. And then we have you know a couple staff members here, Dan Satter and Jan Ka- John Casper, who have good experience uh, in what we're doing. So we were all kind of a team together in trying to figure out, you know, you got to be realistic. We're not going to bring in hundreds of millions of dollars like the Power Five. So, you know, we have to be realistic about what we can do. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, essentially what you're doing is you're deciding between what's more important. Is it money or is it exposure? At our level, you can't really have both. And so we chose exposure first, knowing that we could also generate some revenue as well. And, and so those negotiations took place over the course of about a year, back and forth with three or four different suitors. We kind of narrowed that down to two. And then in the end, had, you know, we had a number of athletic directors, faculty reps, uh, SWAs, um, athletic directors involved in this, and then ultimately uh, had a recommendation to the presidents that I took and said, here's what I think our best deal is. This is, this is why. Uh, and they embraced it. Um, I think they, they know the power of the ESPN brand. Um, and so getting that done, I think at that point, was it's, it was the right move for us. Then it was a matter of we had to invest at our school level in technology. We needed to buy cameras. We needed to, to run some wires. We needed to hire staff to to make sure that we could bring bring the broadcast uh, to our levels and the ESPN levels. Um, so, so there was a lot of investment made at our school levels. So, you know, it's kind of all hands on deck. Um, I think we ended in a really good place, and our fans have really responded. Uh, we we hear from student athletes, coaches, parents. When I travel to schools, all people pull say, "Hey, that move to ESPN Plus was really cool." And uh, you know, they, you know, it's uh, that, that six seven bucks a month that they're paying to access the content seems like a good figure, and it seems like it's driving value to them. So we feel good about that. Yeah, and you know, obviously that's it's important, like you said, and to go after the exposure, make sure that you're out there easily accessible, and then build upon that and continue to work the branding in that sense. You got you right. You got to spend money to make money. Have to put yourself out there. Tom Wistersell, the Big Sky Commissioner here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Now, Tom, you're also a part of. The NCAA Division One Men's Basketball Committee. Bring me into that and being a part of that committee and what that does for the Big Sky and making sure that you have a voice and understand exactly what's going on when it comes to college basketball. Yeah, I'm really excited to join the committee. Um, I'll attend my first meeting of the committee here in July. Um, so next year will be my first time as part of the selection process. I've got a number of good friends on the committee that I've known for a long time and very excited to, to be a part of it. Uh, it's a big thing for the for any mid-major conference to be a part of that. Uh, you know, I, I want to learn about the process. I want to understand, you know, decisions that are made and why. And then I can bring that back to our coaches and to our athletic directors and talk about ways to better basketball uh, for us. So, you know, I'm really excited about joining the committee. It's, it's a real big honor and, uh, you know, fortunate to, to, to be a part of what I consider the greatest sporting event uh, in all of sports, the, which is March Madness. And uh, it captures the country for that entire month. And people still talk about St. Peter's from last from the, the last uh, tournament. And uh, who knows who will be next year, but, uh, but I'll have a front row seat for it. And I'm really looking forward to being a part of that process. And what I love about this is, you're like, you know, getting involved in this committee. You get involved with the schools within your conference, and what I what I love is you do something called competing against the commish, and you played horse with the Montana men's basketball team. Uh, you did the weight throw at Montana State. 
You practiced volleyball at Portland State. Uh, you also pitched in softball at Sacramento State, and you threw the shot put at, in, in Idaho. So bring me into this, compete, competing against the commish, why it's so important to not only go on to the college campuses of the schools that are within the big sky, but to make sure that you're getting involved, making it fun, doing something unique with the actual student athletes and the programs to show just how dedicated you are to every school, to the student athletes, and to the institutions that are within the big sky. Yeah, it's so important that the uh, that the student athletes know that the conference office, you know, that there are real people there, and and that we care about them. And uh, and so I really have enjoyed that. Unfortunately, you know, the pandemic stopped it, but we'll start it up again here in the fall. And it's just a way for me to interact with them, have some fun. Uh, we had we had a lot of laughs doing all those things. Most of them laughing at me or with me, I should say. Um, <laughs> Because I can tell you that when you're trying to return a volleyball serve that's coming at you as a knuckleball, um, that is extremely hard. And they make it look easy, but it's not. And so uh, this has been a fun way to fun way to do it. Um, I, you know, to me, I'm I've, like I said earlier, I've always been about this is about the student athletes, and that's what I enjoyed. You know, as I when I was an athletic director earlier in my career, working on campus was the interactions with the student athletes, and so you get you, it's easy not to uh, not to be a part of that in the conference office because we're not on a campus. So when I go to campuses, I want to interact with those student athletes and let them know who I am. What I'm there to do, what the what the conference office does, what the commissioner position's about, and so it's a great way for me to interact with them. And in speaking on the student athlete, the bigger picture of all collegiate athletics right now, name, image, and likeness, and the transfer portal. I know you've had experience that may help you to understand this a little bit better or find some angles to it. So I'd love for you to share your thoughts on where name, image, and likeness is, as well as the transfer portal and, and what it's done for collegiate athletics, good or bad, and, and, and obviously integrating within within this conversation your experience that you have had, because I know that you know your journey to where you are today could maybe help student-athletes in understanding these, these very wide-open opportunities a little bit better. Yeah, we're in a real time of uh, transition right now, a real time of some chaos within college athletics. You know, I'm a big fan of the student athlete empowerment issues and the name, image, and likeness, I think is a great thing. And uh, really happy to see our student athletes being able to take advantage of those uh, opportunities, put a little money in their pocket and, and learn about business and about opportunities and about challenges. And, you know, it's a great, uh, great educational tool that way. You know, unfortunately it started in a way where it just kind of opened the floodgates and there's not a lot of rules around it. And so it is unfortunately creeped into, you know, recruiting inducements and that certainly more at the power five level. Uh, than at our level but you know that's just really sad to see because obviously that's not the intention of it um, but that's that's where it's gone and so at some point we have to find a way to to uh, to try to corral that a little bit and people love to use the word guardrails uh, there um, I don't know how that's going to work because you know we've kind of you know, states have laws and you know, different uh, schools have have had different rules that they've tried to follow in that, and and we've been asking for federal government help. I don't know if that's going to come anytime soon. It doesn't seem to have much movement on it. And so, you know, while I'm a big fan of the student athletes being able to take advantage of those opportunities, uh, we have to find a way so that 
this doesn't become, um, you know, a, a pay to, to recruit. It's just gotten to a part, part now, point now. We just can't have, you know, it, it, it in that space. And so we got to find a way to control that. You know, I think once they get on campus, uh, then I think the market will settle itself after a couple of years, like most things. Um, the first year is really chaotic. Uh, second year, people start to figure it out. And then, you know, I think by year three, I think one of the things that it isn't being talked about enough is I think businesses are going to start to say, okay, what's our return on the investment in these types of things? And some will invest more because they're getting out of it. And others are going to get out of the space and be like, I'm just not getting much out of it, you know? So, so the market will dictate, I think, our future that way. We just have to find some way to govern it and to manage it in a way where, you know, we have some set of rules around it. Um, the transfer portal, you know, I, again, I'm a fan of our student athletes being able to go. I like if we can find some ways to, uh, to keep it in certain segments of the calendar. Um, because, you know, the worst thing we can do, and it's not good for the student athletes either, is, you know, you, uh, you know, a month before a season starts, whether it's football in August or we're talking basketball in like October, that month before the season starts. If you have a bunch of student athletes coming in and out, then that kind of ruins it for everybody. And, uh, and so, yeah, I'm happy for that one student athlete that got to do, do what they wanted to do, but I don't want that to be at the expense of, of the other student athletes as part of the program. And so that's why I think we need to have some windows in there. Um, and if they want to transfer three times in their college career, as long as academically they're making progress, I think more power to them. And, uh, and so, I, I, so I, I'm a fan of that as well. Uh, I just want, I want them to stay academically eligible because they need to graduate. They need to work towards graduation. Um, and, then I, and then as long as we keep it away from damaging the rest of the team so close to the season, um, it's uncomfortable. A lot of people don't like it. Uh, but I think that's that's here to stay as well. And so dramatic impact from those two topics, when you talk about name, image, and likeness, talk about the transfer portal, um, the world's changing. And uh, college athletics needs to change as well. And the ones that embrace it and, and will be the ones that end up on top from coaches and conferences and schools, the ones that are that kind of really embrace it, they're, they're going to be the ones that end up in the best situation. Yeah, well, you know, and that's the thing. Change is inevitable, and, and so it's it's finding a way to uh, navigate through that and find the positive uh, within all of that. So, you know, uh, obviously, as you step forward as Big Sky Commissioner, there's going to continue to be those challenges. There has been the conversation brought up. You, you talked about, you know, obviously uh, an individual making their life better is good for them, but you don't want it to hurt the team as an, as an overall, as a whole, as a unit. So, you know, I, I've looked at the reality that there's the conversation out there of having windows for the transfer portal that are going to allow for there to be two times during the year where this could happen. And that would prevent these late additions and subtractions from affecting teams, right? If I'm a quarterback and I commit somewhere and then you got a quarterback that played two years at Alabama and he's transferring in, now all of a sudden I'm like, okay, well, I just signed my letter of intent. I'm here on campus and now this guy's coming in and obviously he's not coming in to sit. So, you know, I should go somewhere else, but now I can't. And then to a coach saying, well, you know, if these guys can leave all the way up until this point, well, now I'm in a situation where I went out there and, and I recruited 22 guys and gave them scholarships, but now I have 11 open scholarships. I should have recruited 33, but I didn't know, and I couldn't anticipate for that. So are you somebody that is for having 
some type of restrictive rules that say, yes, you can transfer freely, but there has to be a window, just like there's a window, a window for the NBA to put your name into the draft and then take it back out if you don't hire an agent. Should there be regulation within the transfer rules that say, yeah, you can transfer wherever you want and you can play immediately, but you need to allow a school to have X amount of time to be able to prepare for that. So we're not going to let you transfer at any time. We're going to have these windows that are going to coincide with maybe the early signing period and the February signing period. So a coach can actually know what they're going to have and what they're not going to have. Yes, is the answer to that. And I talked a little bit about that before, that I think there needs to be some windows. We need to have some way, like I said, to keep it um, where we can help the student-athletes out but not ruin it for everyone. And uh, like I said, if that if that quarterback, the example you gave there, if that quarterback decides to transfer on April 15th, two weeks before the first game, uh, that can ruin it for everybody. The school he's leaving, it can ruin, ruin their season. And the school he's going to, that could ruin their student-athletes' experience. And so I, I, that's why I think there's, there's an opportunity for us to have those windows. I think that's better for everybody. And, and Tom, for, for you, I mean, we look at the experience you had before coming to the Big Sky Conference as, as their commissioner. I, I'd love for you to, to share with us those stops that you had and, and how they have affected you because you've been inside of the autonomy group, right? The quote unquote power five. So you know what the world looks like from within there. How has your journey to the big sky helped you to be a strong commissioner? And what did you learn from your experience with inside of the autonomy group of those five conferences? Yeah, you know, I was uh, I was a Division three student athlete. I've been a Division two commissioner, a Division one athletic director, and now a Division one commissioner. So I've kind of seen all sides of it. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly being an athletic director uh, for the six years that I was at the University of Akron, um, you know, I think really helped me. You know, uh, try to understand um, you know college athletics from a, from the top leadership positions. Um, you know, before that, my experience at Minnesota, Wisconsin, being a power five schools, you know, like you said, kind of gave me an insight into the top level of, okay, what are the challenges we have and how do we move things forward and that aggressive type nature that you need to have at the power five to compete at the highest level. And so I really enjoyed that. You know, being an athletic director, uh, I think that gives that gave me great credibility here coming into the big sky because I've sat in those AD chairs. Uh, I've interacted with presidents and board of regents, board of trustees. And so, you know, a lot of my job here is working with those same groups and, and finding solutions for the for the uh, for the problems that we have and working together and bringing people together. For those challenges and so um so you know the experience of the power five is very unique because like i said it's about it's the constant um pressure um it's the constant excitement it's the constant what are we going to do today to win tomorrow and uh, and so you know that's that's a pace that you know some people like some people don't like and uh, and so um and, and it's and the fan bases are, are rabid uh, and so that's that's really exciting to be at that top level. But I've also enjoyed, uh, you know, being a, here at the FCS level uh, where we play an incredibly, you know, uh, tough brand of college athletics and certainly football competing for national championships is really exciting. And so that's that's what I've really enjoyed about my role here is working with uh, the number of institutions that we have starting in the fall with 10 full time members, and 
two, two football affiliates. And so it's about for us dominating the West at our level, getting opportunities once in a while to knock off those Mountain West and Pac-12 schools when we get a chance. But uh, it's about winning national championships and being and, and, and finding nationally competitive programs. So um, so that's, that's my experience. Uh, you know, I'm the son of two coaches, so – so I've been around this my whole life. I grew up in it, and it's just kind of what I know. And so I've been fortunate in my career to have different stops, to interact with different people, to learn a lot of things, uh, and get a chance to interact with uh, with sports in a way that's really personal to me and uh, been able to be part of my professional life. And excited to bring that here to the big sky and see what we can do next. To be the son of, of two coaches and to have experience at Division One, Division Two, and Division Three. How similar or different do you see the divisions and do you see this overall sports world? Because I think it's important that those people that experience it, and I, and in my world, you know, I went to a Division three school. I work very closely with Division one, two, and three schools, JUCO schools, USCAA, NJCAA. I know coaches at different levels. I know you know, a, you know, administration, leadership at different places, commissioners at different divisions. So I do my best to see all of it, to understand it and be able to talk about it with an ounce of knowledge and wisdom to what it actually is. Because you've had experience with all of this, how would you describe it? Are the worlds that different? Is is there that much discrepancy? Or do you see a lot of similarities within it? How would you describe the world of sports having been a part of so many different pieces of it? You know, at its core, it's extremely similar, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I was just talking about this the other day with uh, with a friend of mine, and we were talking about the NBA playoffs, and and uh, we we're talking about practice. And I, I've been to an NBA practice, and I coached my kids' third grade basketball team. And I was, I was coming to him, you know, I said, basketball practice is basketball practice. You know, you, there's, there's only so many things you're going to do. Um, there's only so many things you can do with a ball and a hoop and a gym. So, you know, so that's the great thing about sports, right? At its core, it's very similar. Around it, they're very different. You know, Division Three athletics compared to Power Five, right? That's, that's, that's the scope of college athletics there. And so, you know, um, there's so many things that go into it. And that's part of our challenge right now, quite frankly, here at Division One, right? We have, you know, 360 schools in Division One right now. And there are huge differences within those 360. And that's causing part of the friction we have right now with the transformation committee and kind of what we look into the future here five, ten years from now. What does this look like? How do we survive? And how do, how do we help the Power Five get kind of what they want while still keeping the umbrella, everybody kind of under the umbrella here and protecting the things that are most important to all of us? And so, you know, I, you know, my experiences in, in all those different areas, I think, have really prepped me uh, for those discussions. I've enjoyed being a part of it. But it's a very unpredictable future, um, even though, like I said, at its core, sports is sports. And, uh, and so, you know, like I said, it's a, it's an interesting time to be a part of it. Uh, there's so much going on that it's sometimes hard to kind of decide what's the issue of the day to focus on. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, there's a great, there's a place for, uh, for great conferences like ours uh, and a great future ahead. Uh, we just got to figure out what that looks like. So with the transformation going about in the NCAA uh, writing a, a new constitution and, and trying to figure out who they are. The NCAA president 
will have a vacancy. And uh, Mark Emmert has said when it came to football, uh, during really the start of the pandemic, he said there is no czar. And he he basically put out, I I have no control over college football. And I can't tell a school or institution or conference whether or not they can play. So a lot of questions have been brought up as to what the NCAA president's role is in college football, what their role is in general. Now we're going to be looking for a new one in the not-too-distant future. Transformation, NIL, transfer portal, and the rewriting of a constitution. All of this has led me to the question of, Tom, you've been a part of this for a very long time. Where do you see the future of college athletics, and will the NCAA survive it? I do think the NCAA will survive it. I think it will look very different. I think what we have to decide, because we are the NCAA, right? Those 360 Division One schools, heck, 1,000 counting Division Two, Division Three. So what we have to decide is, is what do we want the NCAA to do? You know, one of the things we've talked about as commissioners is – they run great championships, you know, and so we want them to continue to get in the cha- stay in the championship business. Do we want them to stay in compliance? Do we want them to stay in enforcement? Do we want them to stay in playing and practice rules? I don't know, and uh, that's part of what all this process is going on. I so so you know that's why my answer to the question is there is a place for them. We just have to decide what do we want them to do. And I think you know it's a good time for a new president to be coming into the NCA. It's a good time for new leadership there. And so, you know, I'm hopeful that, you know, we can find a, a leader that's really open to change and are willing to work with all of us practitioners to find a better, uh, a better way. Um, my crystal ball is no clearer than anybody else's. And, uh, you know, that's what kind of makes this a, an interesting time because there's confusion and there's chaos and there's a lot of questions. And it's kind of like nobody really knows who's in charge. Um, and so that makes it really hard. But, you know, nonetheless, we're still going to play games in the fall in all different sports and off we're going to go. Uh, but uh, but it'll be a really interesting time here over these next couple of years as we start to chart a new course. Um, and it, it's going to look different. I think that's what people have to embrace. You know, it's it, it's not going to be the same. And, uh, you know, does that mean we have to give on some things to make it work? Yeah, maybe. Do we need the Power Five's help to, in a few areas? Sure. Um, so... We'll wait and see how that plays out. It's going to be a really interesting ride. So people need to buckle up and we'll see where we go. That coming from Big Sky Commissioner Tom Wistersell here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. When we look at, like you said, buckle up there, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to see where we're going from here and, and what's going to happen from here. As we buckle up and we get on this ride and, and conferences have their individual uh, meetings and, and you talk amongst yourselves individually, how much of this future, do you believe, is going to be individualistic? Are we living in a world where conferences are going to function as their own island and separate by themselves say, this is what we're going to do? And and we see the conferences form alliances, right? Some of them do it to expand their football footprint and expand their competition, so that's understandable. The ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten have a joint alliance that I think is in retaliation and in preparation of what the SEC could do. So how much of the future of college football do you think is going to be based on centralized governance of the NCAA? And how much of it is going to be every conference essentially functioning like their own state in the union? Yeah, you know, you raise a really good point there and great questions, Dan. You know, I 
you know, I, I'm a believer that, you know, one of the things that has gotten to this point is, you know, is unfortunately litigation. And, you know, we, 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 the, the entire enterprise of college athletics is spending so much uh, on legal fees and payouts and that, and we got to find a way uh, to avoid that. And, and, you know, and I, as I talk to my friends in the Power Five, you know, they're, they're paying so much in legal fees that we got to find a way to, <clears throat> to kind of help lessen that. And part of that will be is to get away from antitrust. Um, and that, that would lead towards more individualization of, you know, each conference kind of dictating some of their own rules. Um, and so that's what the, the lawyers are, the antitrust lawyers uh, are telling us. It's kind of what the Supreme Court decision, that's the message they were sending us. And so we're going to have to be a little more individualistic. So, you know, we have to might have to be okay at some point with, you know, if a big sky school is playing Syracuse in volleyball, you know, maybe they have different scholarship models. You know, maybe there's a different number of student athletes and, and different ways they're getting aid. Right now they would be the same, right? But maybe that needs to change. And, and, and what the ACC is going to be different than what the big sky does. And the big sky is going to be different than the Mountain West Conference and so forth. And so, you know, we might have, uh, that might be in our future there. That's part of what needs to be decided. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit if that if that comes into it and if that's if that's where we go that's okay you know again i want to i'm not afraid of that because right now you're using that acc example you know if a student athlete is picking between school a and the acc and school b and the big sky the acc school already has five six ten things uh you know that the big sky school doesn't have if you add one more of them that doesn't change things and so you know i, I we just can't be afraid of change here and uh, and so that's 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 the kind of the message that I think we're all sending out is change is coming. Let's not be afraid of it. Let's embrace it. Let's talk about it. Get the right people in the room and find solutions that we can uh, that we can live with. And so there's going to be a negotiations here as we go along, and we'll wait and see how that plays out. Yeah, and we'll definitely uh, have to keep a close eye on everything that's going on here as, as it's continued to be uh, more and more confusing and, and hopefully some dust can settle here. Uh, looking at, at at your Big Sky Conference moving forward here, Tom, uh, you have your full-time members. You have 10 with Southern Utah leaving in July of this year, uh, 2022. So you have Eastern Washington, Idaho State, Idaho, Montana, Montana State, Northern Arizona, Northern Colorado, Portland State, Sacramento State, and Weber State. Uh, of these full-time members, and of course you have your affiliate members, uh, Cal Poly and UC Davis for football, and you have Hartford, and shout out to a place an hour away from my hometown, Binghamton, both Hartford and, and Binghamton for men's golf. Your affiliate members obviously expand your conference. You have 10 full-time with Southern Utah leaving. How do you move forward with the 10 full-time, and what are your thoughts on the future of the big sky could we look at expansion could we look at the addition of more affiliated members with southern utah leaving where would you like to go as you're still going to have 12 football schools thanks to the affiliations with cal poly and uc davis yeah we feel really good about where we're where we're at you know our 10 institutions i think are very solid very good schools uh well great leadership well-run organizations um i think all comfortable as fcs schools feel like they're in the right place the right conference um so i really like the stability of our 10 um you know i think that you know our two affiliates in football in california are great partners 
and we're very fortunate to have them having a 12-team conference, and I believe we're the strongest and deepest conference in the FCS. Haven't won a national title in a while, as North Dakota State's been uh, dominating that, and credit to them, but nonetheless, I think top to bottom, we have the strongest uh, FCS conference in the, in the nation. So I feel really good about our leadership. You know, you never say never. You know, you're always got your ear to the ground and talking to people about what's next, what's out there, that type of thing. But there are no plans right now. We're not having discussions about expansion uh, as a conference. Um, you know, with Southern Utah leaving, this, this next year will be our first year with an even number in both. And uh, that really helps scheduling. Our model, our models for scheduling are much better with even numbers than they are with odd numbers. So feel good about where we're at there. Uh, nonetheless, you're always watching and talking and listening uh, to see what's out there. And uh, I can't predict the future, but I can at least plan for it. So we'll continue to do that. And I, I have to ask here, I mean, you look at schools that you have as, as affiliated members and we live we live in a world where you know things are constantly changing and, and parts are uh, consistently moving bringing in schools that are on the east coast and bringing them over to utah in hartford and, and in binghamton how did those come about that that in men's golf it fit for you to associate yourself with hartford as well as binghamton so uh, in men's golf, you know, there's only so many programs around the country, yeah. and you need to have you know at least six to have an automatic qualifier into the NCAA tournament. And so for us, it's been about you know how do we provide that? We don't we don't have you know certainly uh, not enough schools in our conference, so we need to go find some affiliate members. And at the time, Binghamton and Hartford didn't have a place for their men's golf teams, and they've and and so they've joined us. Uh, part of the challenge for us is going to be Hartford as you know discussed going to Division three. And uh, so we're in the process right now of looking for another men's golf affiliate to, yeah. to keep our number uh, to keep our number above the minimum. So so you know it's about you know canvassing the entire country talking to people there are some movements out east. so we might have an opportunity there to uh, to find some other uh, partners for men's golf. but um, you know again, that's something we're actively involved in right now is trying to solve uh, our issues there and find a long-term solution. In, in another thing, you talk about issues and finding a solution. This is something that affects every student athlete and, and in my opinion, every human being at some point in our lives because none of us are perfect and sometimes the weight of the world gets heavy. You have a mental health subcommittee and I'd love to get your thoughts on the importance of mental health and what the big sky is trying to do to make sure that student athletes, coaches, the student body in general – uh, yourself in your front office that everyone is is in a place where they know that there are services to help there are people to help and that we don't walk alone mental health growing up as a kid uh, for me I'm 36 years old uh, most of the time you were told get over it deal with it don't worry about it you're bothering me and now in today's world it's let's talk about it let's sit down about it I would love to have, you know, an importance to mental health when I was growing up as a kid because, you know, you got told all the time, toughen up and deal with it. What can you say about the Big Sky stance on mental health and the importance of making sure that that is something that never takes a backseat? Yeah, it's uh, it's a very important thing for us. You know, at times it's our most important thing. I mean, our student-athletes are 
uh, on campus. They've got a lot of pressures in their lives academically, athletically, socially, emotionally. And uh, we have to become involved with them. It has to be a focal point for what we're trying to do is to help them on their journey, to be with them in times of need, uh, and to not only not only uh, cheer with them when things go well, but be there, be there to give them a hug and to pat them on the back when things aren't going well to let people know that we're there for them and uh, that we're supporting them uh, in good and bad times, like I said. So uh, it's an important initiative. Uh, it's been an important initiative nationally here over the last few years with all NCAA programs. And each conference and each institution is really taking it seriously and putting resources towards it, hiring people, setting up uh, um, organizational structures inside the athletic department and the universities to balance out those needs. So um, it's a big part of what we're doing. Um, I feel like we're making progress and, uh, and, and we're being supportive where we can. And so we, you know, we'll continue to do that. Um, so fortunate that we can, that we can help provide some of those resources to our schools. And, and Tom, a couple final points here, here with Tom Wistersell, the big sky commissioner on wake up call with Dan Tortora inside of our commissioner central series, where we go around the country getting the thoughts of our leaders for collegiate athletics. So, Big Sky Commissioner Tom Wistersell here with us. Uh, Tom, you, you you brought the men's and women's basketball championships to Boise, Idaho, and that move was made in March of 2019. Bring me into why and the benefits of being in Boise, Idaho, and what's the, what that's done for the Big Sky. You know, for years out here, we had our uh, championship, men's and women's basketball championships on campus. And quite frankly, the distances that we have just doesn't make it work. You can't decide on a Sunday that, oh, by the way, the tournament's in Bozeman, Montana, and then get all the teams there in three, four days. It just doesn't work um, logistically and cost-wise for our schools. So we so we really focused in on a neutral site as a conference. So they were in Reno before I got here. And uh, it was just an okay place, quite frankly. So uh, going to Boise uh, was a pretty easy decision. They stepped up and really wanted us. So we go up there that first year. They've got a great arena downtown, lots of hotels, restaurants, bars are walkable. And, uh, and it's been a really good home for the years that we've been there. Uh, you know, our fans have embraced it. <clears throat> Seven of our 10 schools can drive there. Uh, and so their fan bases can get to the, to get to Boise. It's a clean city. It's safe. Like I said, the facility is wonderful, and, and almost all of our teams can uh, can walk to the arena from their hotels. So it's it's a really good home for us. We've built a nice uh, a nice base there. Uh, this past year was our, our best year ever, both financially and attendance-wise. And so it's been a really good home for us. That's why last year was the start of a new five-year contract for us with Boise uh, to go there. And uh, we're really fortunate. Um, you know, you look at some of those neutral site places uh, at the mid-major level and the you know, there, there's no one in the stands and you, and there's nothing around those arenas, but that's not the case for us. So we feel, feel really good about where we're at with Boise and look to continue to grow that. That's a big part of our focus here uh, in the conference office since that is the event that we run uh, that takes the most energy and effort from us. So, um, so yeah, so it's been, a, it's been a really good home and we're really fortunate to have it. And, and final and most important question, Tom, of everything that you deal with as a Big Sky Commissioner, as a commissioner in general, and in the world of today's collegiate athletics, what is your favorite part of your job? The thing that you get up every morning and thank God for that you are able to do. What is that thing? 
Well, outside of the obvious stuff about family and faith and those types of things, uh, you know, it's it's being able to support our student athletes, and that's what gets me up. That's what it's always been about for me and working in college athletics. Uh, it's so much fun to be at championship events and present the trophies to our student athletes and coaches, um, and uh, just to see uh, the joy in their in their eyes and and the emotion they feel about winning a championship. And and you know, I understand since I've been around it my whole life, the energy and effort that's gone into their journey to get to that point but everybody feels differently everybody's got their own individual journey there and so that's what's cool about it to see it so i love that's what i love about college sports it's why i've never worked in pro sports and don't have an interest in that is to be part of the collegiate experience and we have to be careful to preserve that here as we go forward and never lose sight of the fact that that's what we're here for um and uh, let's hope we can continue to serve our student athletes that way Tom Westersell, Big Sky Commissioner, here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortoras, Commissioner Central Series. Tom, I appreciate it, and I look forward to the opportunity to have you back here again soon and would love to catch up with you after your meetings as well. All right, Dan, thank you very much.